Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Yes, Black Hole Sun. You hear the music. You know it's Friday. It is Black Hole Sundays. I am your host, Stephen Langford. Thanks so much for joining in with this podcast. Of course, you may know me from the pregame show on 95.7 The Game from 5 to 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday. Uh, but have been doing this podcast for a, a lot of the season now and into the off season. It has been nothing short of interesting But we'll get to the latest as to what's been going on with the Raiders. And we'll be joined by your boy Q. He is is a part of Fox Sports Central Texas, host of Unnecessary Roughness. You can hear him uh, from 3 to 6 p.m. on AM 1330 or 93.9. Again, that's Fox Sports Central Texas. And he's also host of the Locked On Raiders podcast from the Locked On Podcast Network. So we'll have an interview with him, and with him, and he had a couple of interesting things to say uh, regarding the offensive line, and that's been the news this week. If you heard on last week's podcast, I tried to become a salary cap expert, which I'm definitely not, but they did make the move. They cut Gabe Jackson. We mentioned that, you know, whether it's going to be Richie Incognito, who was worth just under $7 million this year with no dead cap, or Gabe Jackson, who was worth $9 million with no dead cap. So really, it was an either-or situation, or possibly both. You never know what can happen. But Gabe Jackson was the first domino to fall uh, from that offensive line. Then subsequently, we got the news that Mike Mayock said that Trent Brown, possibly in trade talks, the jury is still out on Trent Brown. This year, he's costing you $14 million, which is taking up 7% of your cap. So we have yet to await what's going to happen with him. And in my opinion, even though he wasn't on the field for much of last season, he only played five games last year, one of which was big in the win against the Chiefs, but he was on uh, the reserve COVID-19 list for a majority of the year. The first year that he was a Raider in 2019, he was a pro bowler, even though he only played 11 games and he didn't play for the rest of the season. So Trent Brown has not played as much as you'd want him to for the amount of money that you paid him. Hell, I mean, you made him one of the most you made him the most expensive offensive tackle in the league uh, at the time in the history of the NFL. So you're paying him a lot of money. And when he's in, he's an absolute stud. One of the best right tackles in the game. Now, he's had a majority of the season off. He's been posting workout videos, and you'll hear from your boy Q uh, later on in the podcast. He does mention that. But to me, if you do not have Trent Brown on this team next season, and you don't trade him for as many assets as possible, 
and you don't pick up another uh, a right tackle, I don't know whether that would be uh, a Brandon Parker. You most likely are going to be signing uh, Denzel Good to a new deal. I'd expect that to be the replacement for Gabe Jackson at right guard while Incognito's at left guard. You still got uh, Rodney Hudson. You still got Colton Miller. But Trent Brown is the anchor of that offensive line. And if you are without him next season, who knows how Derek Carr will play? Because since 2014, Derek Carr has had a relatively stable offensive line, especially on the left side. And the right side has constantly been under construction. And now you have Trent Brown, and he's proven that he can be a Pro Bowl caliber uh, right tackle if he stays healthy. But it's a big if. It's a big if. And I don't know if I'm as worried about his health as I am Richie Incognito's in the first place. I think you got to keep Trent Brown. You know, it depends on what they can get in return, but if you're going to be paying him $14 million, and we'll see what happens in the future because Gabe Jackson right now, he is under, he has officially put the Raiders under the salary cap, depending on what it is, give or take uh, a couple of million dollars, but they he's put them under the salary cap at this point, and if they don't get an offer for Derek Carr and they don't trade him away... Um, Marcus Mariota, Marcus Mariota will most likely be released along with LaMarcus Joyner. And you'd already be well under the cap, under 12, uh, under $20 million. Then you can use that to possibly pay uh, Nelson Aguilar, who I think can make a return. You can get Devontae Booker on the cheap. But here's the thing. I would love them to keep Trent Brown. I would love for them to do that. But you heard on this podcast when J.J. Watt was released from the Texans, and the Raiders were one of the teams listed. I said I didn't want J.J. Watt. I didn't want him because it felt like he'd already reached his ceiling, and they said he was going to be worth a multi-year deal, and as we mentioned, he's making $15.5 million in base salary along with a ton of incentives, but in, even in base salary, that's a ton to play a, pay a player. Uh, I think the Cardinals gave him um, way too much money in that situation. But you could be getting Leonard Williams or Yannick Ngakwe in that in that range, in that market. So if you do not keep Trent Brown, if you if you do trade him away for whatever it is, and you possibly save the $14 million, I think you got to make a big splash in this free agency. And one of the pieces uh, that you could have added at safety, Justin Simmons. Well, it was just breaking news earlier today. We're recording this at about 12.45 on a Friday. Uh, It was reported that uh, the Broncos have tagged him. So um, Justin Simmons no longer on the table. So if you get rid of Trent Brown and do whatever you want with that offensive line, I think you got to make a splash with a pass rusher. It seems like right now with the New York Giants that – they tagged him as a defensive tackle last year uh, at $16.1 million, and he thinks he's a defensive end, and he believes he should be paid like a defensive end, and that would make you uh, a, a little over a million dollars more. So um, they did not make him happy doing that. I don't know how what the friction is like with him and the Giants organization, but if he is going to be testing the market, the Raiders need to go after him. That's it. Because if Justin Simmons is off the table, he was the biggest safety going in free agency, 
And, you know, you maybe could sign Richard Sherman to a a multi-year deal. He's looking for a two-year deal. And under Gus Bradley, I wouldn't be surprised if they made that move. But you need someone else who can get to the quarterback. And Leonard Williams, I think, has a lot of upside, even though he's bounced from a couple of teams. Yannick Ngakwe is another option. I wouldn't be mad if they went with that either. I really wouldn't. And that's what I mentioned on this podcast when J.J. Watt was out of this. When when J.J. Watt became a free agent and he was out of Houston, I said there's way more upside with Williams and Ngakwe. So it's looking like right now, if Trent Brown is gone, that it'd become more of a reality. If not, they might want to spend their money elsewhere. And you can look on the market to find some other guys. But also, another one who I think, another one, D.J. Khaled, another guy that you want to pay. Nelson Aguilar. Nelson Aguilar, he's market value, his market value is just under $10 million. Uh, they might want to sign him to a one-year deal, and maybe he'll want to come back because we know Mayock and Gruden love him. And Mayock said in the, in the most recent article from Vic Tafer, Mayock says that he loves Aguilar and would love to have him back. So I wouldn't be surprised if they want to pay him either. There are just a lot of moves that need to be made with this team. Hell, Devontae Booker. Devontae Booker, even though he's cheap, you know, you could have him as that backup running back and put him in in the, in the in the third drive again. He was very serviceable as a running back. But, you know, they're so, they're so close to reaching that salary cap. They're so tight with their money that even the cheapest guys you might not be able to sign again. Nicholas Morrow is a linebacker that they'd possibly want to sign too. He came in and became the best linebacker on the team when Corey Littleton was out. There are a lot of ways that they can go here. So free agency is in 10 days. Um, the mock draft, Hod McShay's most, rec- most recent mock draft, has the, has the Raiders taking a linebacker, which I wouldn't mind. I think it's all about positional fit. Look, you're going to hear it from me here. I'm not big on choosing specific players um, in the draft. You know, when you're when you're talking about top ten picks, then sure, maybe you can look at a specific name and say that you know this team needs to go after that guy, this team needs to go after that guy. But I think when you got the seventeenth pick, like the Raiders do, you just need to look for a positional fit. I wouldn't be mad if they got anybody on defense, and depending on what happens with Trent Brown, possibly an offensive tackle. You know, I mean, the anchors of the offensive line would be Colton Miller and a possible rookie. Would you want to do that with Derek Carr and without Gabe Jackson? I don't know. I don't know. But I do think that it's all about the positional need, and Todd McShay has him taking a linebacker, and I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind that at all. Or even possibly a cornerback. Just anyone on defense. Someone help out this defense, please. That's all I got. Uh, oh man, that's why I'm that's why I'm that's why I'm vying for Leonard Williams or Yannick Ngakwe, putting all my chips on that table. But let's just get to the interview. It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We talked about a variety of things, um, mostly with free agency and offseason moves. He has some interesting thoughts on Trent Brown and what's going to be happening with that offense, as well as how Gus Bradley can affect the defense. Plus, we got his thoughts on Henry Ruggs, too. So it was a great interview, spoke for about 20 minutes. So here it is, your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. Every day you build, you put blocks down. You guys ever see a mansion? 
a big, beautiful mansion, you got to build the foundation, man. That's what we're doing here. And I am very happy to be joined right now on Black Hole Sundays by your boy Q. And if you are an OG listener to the station when the Raiders were still in the Bay, you have heard your boy Q on before. He is, of course, a host of Unnecessary Roughness on Fox Sports Central Texas from 3 to 6 p.m. And, of course, he's also the host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. What's going on, Q? How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing really good. I'm blessed. I appreciate you having me on, man. You know, I got so much love for the Bay Area, so when the Bay calls, you know your boy's going to answer the phone. <laughs> of course, man. All right, well, I just wanted to start out with a couple of free agency questions, man, because there's a lot going on this offseason. And, and let's just start out with what's hot right now, and that is, oddly enough, the, the Raiders' offensive line. Uh, Gabe Jackson, he was released just to save some money and, you know, put them a little bit under the cap after, you know, they released Tyrell Williams and they've done all that other stuff. But uh, Hudson and Incognito, they'll still be around, it's looking like, and Colton Miller as well. So their left side is solidified, but their right side, it's looking like it's in question right now. I mean, Trent Brown's involved with trade talks, and I want to know from UQ, what do you think is going to happen with Trent Brown? Do you think he's still going to be in the Raiders next season, or do you think he's actually going to get traded? You know, that's a really good question, and I think it's all really on based on what the Raiders can get done. You know, and like Mike Mayock said the other day, the jury is still out, and what he means by that is they're obviously trying to trade him and try to trade Trent Brown. And the thing about it is it's not a very big free agent tackle market this, this, uh, this year. So I think if there's a team out there that would like to get a guy that they know what they're going to get out of them or they think they know what they're going to get, then they'll make the move. They'll pull the trigger on the trade, and uh, you know the Raiders will ship him off. Uh, he's been doing a lot of workout videos, kind of showing that he's in shape or he's getting in shape. He's fired up. And, you know, the last couple seasons, as great of a player as he is, and he really is, man, the Raiders offensive line, that right tackle spot, is definitely a lot better with Trent Brown there. Yeah. But, I mean, the old saying that gets old and people get tired of hearing it, the best avail- ability is availability, he's just not available enough. So my gut feeling, which is all I ever roll with, tells me that he won't be a member of the Silver and Black in, in 2021. But if he can somehow convince them that he's going to be available this year and he's in the best shape of his life, then I can see them saying, okay, fine, you know what, it's $14 million. Maybe they try to restructure the deal a little bit to make it a little easier on the salary cap, you know, give them a little bit of upfront money. Maybe they do that and say, we'll give you one more shot to prove that you want to be here. But, I mean, there's one thing that you, can, you can't deny, man. He, he's already been a Niner, he's already been a Patriot, and now he's a Raider. It's hard to find really, really good offensive linemen. When you find them, most of the time teams hold on to them. There's a reason why this man keeps getting moved around, and I believe most of it is availability, and that's what the problem has been with the Raiders. So uh, my gut feeling tells me he'll be gone, but I think that there's just a little crack in the door where he may be able to hang around if he could convince those guys that he's going to be available in 2021. Yeah, and you know, judging by that social media that you're talking about, I think he has Derek Carr on his side because Carr is all up on his social media too. It looks like he wants them to be with the Raiders for sure. Um, I mean, I'm just, I was shocked, Q. I mean, I, I thought Gabe Jackson would be here for a little while. It, I thought it was going to come down to him and Incognito and, you know, apparently $9 million worth more than $6 million, so they needed to get under the salary cap. We'll see what happens with the right side of that offensive line. Uh, wide receiver. Let's go there and stay on the offensive side of the ball. Nelson Aguilar. He's loved by Mike Mayock and John Gruden. They rave about him even after that little outburst he had in the locker room after the Dolphins game where Gruden's just like, 
Hey, I love Nelson, man. That's all I got. Uh, but Spotrack, <laughs> but Spotrack has his market value right now set just under ten million. Now let's just say the Raiders do offer him the most money, and you know he tests free agency, and no one else offers what the Raiders offer him. I mean, do you think he'll want to come back with the Raiders after you saw that uh, uh, the article regarding his outburst in the locker room after the Dolphins game? Yeah, you know, I think that that kind of outburst from players is kind of overrated. I think that that happens all the time. I know that that happens all the time. And, you know, players don't want to lose. And the Raiders, the way that the Raiders were losing games was embarrassing. And really, I'm surprised that it took them that long to blow up. Or somebody, it took that long to blow up. Yeah. I don't know about you, but when, when things ain't going right and, and, and I'm having a bad show or multiple bad shows, I let it be known. Like, hey, man, I, this has got to get better, man. This has got to be a, a, a thing, man. we got to do better than this. So I'll get frustrated and then I'll voice my opinion, but it's it's just because I want better. And I think that that's where Nelly was coming from. Like, hey, man, we shouldn't be losing these games the way that we're losing. You guys are accepting this. That's a loser mentality, which he's not wrong. So I think that the Raiders really need more guys like that willing to step up and say that, especially with a very young team. I do think that he would like to go back. I think he has a really good relationship with Derek Carr. But ultimately, at this point of his career, he's going to test the market and he's going to go where they give him the most money, and I don't blame him. You know what I mean? Because as we see, when the team is done with you, we just talked about Gabe Jackson, we just talked about Trent Brown. Mm -hmm. When they're done with you, they're done with you. And your contract really means less than the paper that it's written on. I mean, it's just, it's fool's gold. So, I mean, if you can go and get, and I think this is kind of my dark horse that I think is going to be the team that's going to really throw the most money at Nelly, is going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars, and that's because they have the most money. They got all the money in the world. Trevor Lawrence is going to be the number one overall pick, and they're going to want to have weapons there for him, right? So why not a big, deep threat like like Nelly would be? So I think that they're going to really throw a lot of money at him, but if the Raiders could convince him that, hey, let's let's go and, and, and you know, we'll give you $10 million, we'll give you $12 million. You know, the, the interesting thing about this is I was paying attention to uh, what they were saying is the estimated franchise tag uh, values, and for yeah. the wide receiver, it's only $15 million, you know? So I think that possibly they could say, hey, you know, we don't want to put a franchise tag on you and give you 15, but we can give you 10 to 12 on a, on a year on a year deal and we can run it back and see what happens. And he might go for that if he can't get a better offer on the open market. But the, the franchise tag is a little bit less than I expected it to be, and that's obviously because the salary cap has gone down for 2021. So there's a slight chance. I Again, gut feeling tells me that he's not in the silver and black in 2021, but I can see Derek Carr lobbying for him, and I can see since Mayock said how much he loves him, and I know Gruden loves him as well, them giving him maybe a little bit extra coin to keep him around for at least one more year. And it's that fire they're missing, you know? I mean, Derek right. Carr and Josh Jacobs, those guys, I, I guess, now are the leaders of the offense. Uh, Josh Jacobs being, I mean, only going into his third year. But those guys are relatively soft-spoken. Henry Ruggs, he's soft-spoken. Darren Waller, he's not a guy that's going to uh, go right. out and kind of you know, yell at his team and tell him, hey, you're playing like crap. Like, I mean, Nelson Aguilar might have to be that guy. Yeah, and you know, it's funny, man. It makes me remember a story, and Eric Davis, and obviously everyone in the Bay Area remembers Eric Davis from his time with the 49ers. Yeah. He told me one time, you win games, you win games with car thieves and choir boys. The Raiders have choir boys. <laughs> they don't have any car thieves. And I don't think that Nelly is quite a car thief, but he has a little edge to him. They need a couple guys, a couple dudes, like I like to call them, on that roster that has some edge to them. You know, Bill Romanowski ain't walking through the through the doors anytime soon. You know what I mean? He's got a, he's got edge. They need some guys with that that edge and that, like I said, car thief to them. 
And, you know, Nelly just having that edge and being the guy that, that decided he wanted to speak up when he did, because he's normally a soft-spoken dude, too. But since he spoke up at that moment, it kind of let it be known, like, hey, I'm not taking this, and you shouldn't settle for this either. So they need a little bit of that, to your point, uh, in, in that locker room. Yeah, and, you know, we'll get to that one guy who does have that edge in Jonathan with uh, when, in Jonathan Abram in just a second. Uh, but, you know, let's just say that does happen because your gut feeling is, send, is saying Trent Brown, Nelson Aguilar, probably not, uh, possibly not going to be on the team. And let's just say they do actually get under the salary cap by a hefty amount. And, you know, that's barring they do release Mariota and, and possibly LaMarcus Joyner. They, they could have a little bit of money to spend. Um, do you think they're going to make a, a big splash signing in free agency, or do you think they're kind of more looking for bargaining pieces? You know, I think this year is actually a really good year to not make a big splash. I would love for them to go out and make a big splash, like a guy like Leonard Williams yes. I think would be ideal. Uh, I don't know if the Giants are going to bring him back or not. He was their franchise tag holder last year. I don't know if they're going to bring him back. I would love for them to go make a move for a, a Leonard Williams, a unique in Gothway, maybe a Marcus Williams from the Saints, you know, the safety. Uh, but, again, with the salary cap going down and with them not really being in the greatest position right now, I think, and especially we'll see it next week, there's going to be a lot of really good veterans being released because of the salary cap. We've already seen it already. It's starting to be what I like to call the purge, and they're getting rid of these guys. I think that the Raiders, if they're smart and they play their cards right, and I'll say the last few years they haven't done that great in free agency. The guys they brought in, they haven't really gotten their money's worth. If they go and get some guys, maybe not on day one of free agency, maybe not even day two, hmm. but if they go into day three and they get a guy like a Kyle Van Noy, if he happens to be available, you can get a good one or two years out of that guy, and he could be a difference maker on your team. If you go get a guy at the on the back end of his career, but he still has a couple years, you can, you can make that work. Like a Richard Sherman. The Bay Area knows how, how important Richard Sherman was for the 49ers, even though he wasn't able to stay healthy in, uh, in 2020. If he's healthy and you can get him on a, on a reduced salary and maybe a year or two deal, he said he wants to play two more years, why not? Those are the kind of guys that know how to, to get things done. They've been there, done that. Those are the kind of guys that I can see, especially on the defensive side of the ball, that can be difference makers and help this, this Raider team, especially defensively, like I mentioned, that needs to get over the hump kind of get over the hump in 2021 did you did you like how john gruden was kind of tampering with that with richard sherman with the with chris collinsworth on the podcast i mean he had no choice collinsworth put him in a terrible position oh he did but and, and i had no problem with him tampering and, and these guys do it all the time yeah you know what i mean like yeah. these guys are talking to each other communicating with each other if it's not through you know like richard sherman to john gruden, it's agent to agent it's i mean these guys Whatever you see on film and what you hear is, is nothing compared to what they've done. The Combine, which is usually already gone on, it, it obviously didn't happen this year because of COVID, but the Combine is a, is a great place for tampering. That's all that happens at the Combine is tampering. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that as soon as Gus Bradley was hired to be, a, uh, to be the defensive coordinator for yep. the Raiders, he probably made the first call to Richard Sherman, like, hey, hey man, <laughs> hey, I, I would like to have you in the secondary. Okay, we can talk later. Okay, great. I mean, I, I'm sure that those kind of communications, one way or the other, have already happened. But, yeah, Collinsworth did kind of set him up and then and then tried to back out of it. It's like, well, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to get you caught up in tampering. <laughs> but. <laughs> it, it was just, you're doing it on a public podcast anyway. And, and Collinsworth, right. I, I listened to that entire thing. I'm like, Collinsworth driving a podcast? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm good with him just being an analyst. But, anyway, that's neither here nor there. Exactly. I don't even need to mention that. Uh, but speaking of Gus Bradley and, and possibly bringing in uh, Richard Sherman, this defense, Q, it, it needs a leader. You know, it, it doesn't yep. seem to have that voice right now. I mean, I guess 
I don't know, would Kwiatkowski be that guy? I don't know. But let's just take two players who I think last year kind of disappointed in the eyes of Raider fans. But Corey Littleton and and Jonathan Abram, uh, who in your eyes next season uh, will improve more under Gus Bradley? I mean, will both these guys improve? I mean, or is is this who they are? Uh, Corey Littleton and, and Jonathan Abram, what do you think about those guys coming up next year? Well, I'll tell you, I have more confidence right now in Corey Littleton. I think the problem with him in 2020 was he was thinking. I mean, you could tell he was reacting slowly. He was running slowly because he was thinking about what he's supposed to do in Paul Gunther's scheme. And so I think that Gus Bradley is going to simplify things where he could just go out there, read and react and play. And that's what Gus Bradley did in in Seattle when they had the Legion of Boom. And they had guys, they weren't all first-round draft picks. They were guys they got from different different uh, you know, walks of life and different rounds of the draft and free agency, and they were able to put this thing together, and they just went out there and played. I think Corey Littleton will probably benefit the most from the linebacker position with Gus Bradley. Jonathan Abram, on the other hand, that's a big question mark for me. First year, he only played in half a game. Then he got in. He was out the whole year. Second year, it was a lot of bad. And he walks around, and he, he runs around the, the field, and he, he acts like he's the end-all, be-all. And I know he's got that 24 on his chest, so he's feeling a little Willie Brownish. He's feeling a little Charles Woodson. He's probably even feeling a little Money Lynch. But he is none of those guys right now. You know, right now, he's a guy that everyone's looking at and saying, hey, that's a first-round bust. I mean, right now, he is considered a first-round bust, and it's up to him to be able to get this thing turned around. And the thing about it is, Paul Gunther never took him off the field. Whenever he was making mistakes and he was out of position or he was whipping on tackles, Paul Gunther never took him off the field and said, hey, young man, come stand next to me. You've got to learn. This isn't, this isn't how it's going to fly. He just let him go ahead and, and stay out there and do what he does. Gus Bradley, if he starts to see that, if he starts to sense that, his main job is I've got to get this guy off the field because he's a liability. Jonathan Abrams, this year three is going to be huge for him. This is when the team's going to start making a decision. You know, is he going to be a guy that we pick up the fifth-year option on? Is he a guy that, you know, we can see building this team on? I mean, right now, there's so many questions behind Jonathan Abrams. And, again, I hate to just give him a label already, but right now it's a short period of time, but he's really he's looked at as a bust. So he's got a lot of work to do. Uh, not only with the, the defensive coordinator and the defensive coaches, but himself. He's got to look in the mirror and say, hey, how can I get better? So uh, this is going to be a big year. If I had to pick one of the two guys that I thought was really going to benefit from Bradley, I'd roll with Corey Littleton. I mean, I was just I was just shocked in that second Chiefs game when you know he came in and, and thought Mahomes was going to run and then left Kelsey wide open when in the first game he was a big reason why the Chiefs offense wasn't that great or as as great as the Chiefs offense could be, at least uh, in that first game. And, you know, when Will Compton said on his own podcast, uh, when he was talking about Paul Gunther, saying that he's just switching up communication every single week, I I think that played with Corey Littleton's head a little bit. And and Littleton was taking some subtle shots at Gunther uh, throughout the year, in in my opinion, just him saying, you know, like, we weren't getting set up on defense and, you know, the communication isn't right. And then when Will Compton mentioned that, I thought, okay, well, if they get a a new defensive coordinator... I think Corey Littleton has the skill to maybe be uh, pretty good. And, you know, hopefully Gus Bradley can teach Damon Arnett how to not tackle with his head, too. <laughs> right. Exactly. Stay on the field. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's, yeah. Look, Damon Arnett, he's a guy that I have a lot of questions about as well because the Raiders were fired up about him. All training camp long, they're like, man, this guy's the, the, the truth. 
we're going to make him a starter uh, immediately week one. But if he can't stay on the field, he's no good to the team. And so he's got to stop leaning and, and uh, you know, diving in there with his head. He's got to learn to put his head up when he tackles. And, and I mean, that's fundamental stuff. So if he can't do that, then he's going to be a, a major liability moving forward. And then we'll also see if they do sign uh, Nicholas Morrow to a new deal, who's also a free agent. And, uh, I mean, he was kind of a secret weapon last year when uh, Corey Littleton went down. He was one of the best linebackers on the field. Uh, Just one more, moving on uh, to the offensive side of the ball. And this is a dude who uh, I mentioned earlier in the the interview, but it's Henry Ruggs. Uh, What did you see out of him this year? Because i got to be honest, Q, for me, I like the attitude that he he had, and I like the humility, but... You know, with Tyrell Williams being gone and, you know, if they don't sign Aguilar to a new deal and he's the he's the the de facto number one wide receiver, I'm going to need him to be a little more cocky next year. You know, uh, you know, he's, he says he's not about the yards. He doesn't care about the stats. He just cares about wins. And that's great. But also you're a wide receiver. You can get a little cocky from time to time. Right. You know, I mean, you, you said it off top. You know, what do I need to see from from Henry Ruggs? I need to see more of Henry Ruggs. You know, that's that's the thing. Didn't right. see any of him. I mean, he had, what, 26 catches on the season? And, and I know he only played in a handful of games, like 12 games. But uh, the, the fact is that they didn't feature him and they didn't try to get him the ball when the number one reason they went out and got him and made him the number one receiver uh, off the board was because of that speed. So use it. You know, and it's funny. When, when they drafted him, I said, now, the problem is if you go and you buy a Ferrari but you drive it like a Honda, what's the point of having a Ferrari? You know what I mean? Like, don't treat it like a Honda. Don't treat it like a minivan if it's going to be a Ferrari. He is a Ferrari, but yet he was used like a minivan, and that's a problem. So John Gruden, uh, Greg Olson, they've got to look in the mirror. Henry Ruggs, he's got to look in the mirror and say, hey, what can I do better? How can I get off the line of scrimmage better? How can I run tighter routes? How can I get on the same page with my quarterback? He's got a lot of work to do, but the coaching staff's got a lot of work to do too. How can we get this guy more involved? Speed doesn't matter if you don't use it. I mean, anyone could be out there and be fast. I mean, did, did they draft the number 12 overall to be a fast decoy? I don't think so. And, and I know that Darren Waller is technically the number one wide receiver from the tight end position. Right. He's the guy. I get that. But Henry Ruff has got to be a really good compliment. Now, some of the questions and some of the remarks were, well, Nelson played so well that, you know, it, it kind of took a little away from Henry's growth. No, not really. Look at the Chiefs. Look how many weapons they have. They can spread the ball around and – put up huge numbers. They have Kelsey. They have Hill. Uh, they have McCole Hardman. I mean, they have all kind of guys out there. Uh, they have running backs that they're drafting in the first round. They have all kind of weapons that they have that are, are thriving. The Raiders have Waller, and then they have a bunch of guys. You know what I mean? So, so they could have used Henry Ruggs a whole lot more, and, and then it would have probably uh, made them kick less field goals than they did in 2020. Yeah. That was a big problem, too. They weren't able to capitalize in the red zone. So John Gruden, the company, and Henry Ruggs, has a lot of work to do to, to show why he was the number one wide receiver taken. And the and the in-game decisions that Gruden needs to make. I mean, just right. decide whether you're going to be aggressive and go for it on fourth down or not. You know, I mean, you just yes. just make up your mind next season. I mean, that Buccaneers game it just totally flipped. Whenever uh, he did, he just decided to punt and elected to punt. And anyway, I'm just going to go off on a tangent on that one, Q. <laughs> but uh, I don't I don't want to do that. But hey, I really appreciate your time, Q. And you know, free agencies in, in ten days, and hopefully we can talk down the line. And if the Raiders make any moves, uh, we'll see what's happening with the twenty. 2021 Raiders next year. Thanks a lot, Q. Hey, no problem, man. Like I said, when the Bay calls me, man, I'm definitely answering that phone. The Bay Area, be good. Appreciate it. Understand that. You got to build the blocks. You got to put blocks on every day. 
Stay together and understand that. And as you can tell, he does a very good job. So check him out on the Locked On Raiders podcast. Again, host of Unnecessary Roughness on Fox Sports Central Texas. You can find him at Twitter at yourboyq254. Some very interesting things there. Some very interesting things. And I'm glad that he mentioned Leonard Williams and Yannick Ngakwe because if Trent Brown isn't on the team and Nelson Aguilar isn't on the team, you'd be saving quite a bit of money and possibly, you know, creating room to make a splash in free agency. So he doesn't think that Trent Brown, he said, you know, like he says, he's going with his gut. His gut feeling is that Trent Brown won't be on the Raiders in 2021 because the best uh, the best ability is availability. And he was way more eloquent in talking about that than I was. So um, just really happy to be joined by him and getting another voice uh, on the podcast. But uh, that is going to do it for me. We'll see what the Raiders do. Free agency is 10 days away, so that's when it starts. And it's not even like moves are going to be made day one. They could make moves in day two and day three. And then what happens in the draft? Who knows? But that's supposed to be Mike Mayock's bread and butter. But this is a big free agency for them. The reason I'm talking about it so much is because they've had a few misses. And they've overspent Tyrell Williams. They had to cut him for $11 million. Marcus Mariota. Possibly going to cut him too. Nelson Aguilar was a great signing on the veteran minimum. Do they sign him back to another deal? Who knows? What else are they going to do? It's such a big question and such a good conversation. Uh, but last season, man, it was a little bit of a disappointment at 8-8. Eight and eight And, you know, uh, they're, they're, if they rebuild that offensive line, they got to make some push on defense and do something there. But also... I mean, his comments on Jonathan Abram, huge, huge year coming up for Jonathan Abram. Wonder if they're going to get someone to uh, line up alongside him at safety because, again, Justin Simmons, franchise tagged. So you're not going to be getting him for uh, uh, as the most expensive safety, uh, is the most expensive free agent safety. So you're going to have to face him within the division. There's a lot uh, to unpack. But thanks so much, everyone, for joining this podcast. Again, you can catch me on the pregame show from 5 to 6 every Monday through Friday on 95.7 The Game. And you can find this podcast right under that tab, the pregame show tab. You know, you can just go to Apple Podcasts, search up the pregame show with Stephen Langford. You'll find it right there. If you already have the radio.com app, just go to the pregame show section and you'll find every Black Hole Sundays episode that you can find. But thanks again, everyone, and have a great weekend.